everyone. I'm Trisha. And I'm Amy. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. CCC wants to be a church of generous people who honor Jesus by loving each other and by serving our neighbors. And one of the ways that we do this is through giving. And a really easy way to do that is to text CCC Rochester to 77977. Or if you're with us in person this weekend, there are offering boxes at the back of the auditorium. And thank you so much for your generosity in giving. Amy, Kingdom Kids Preschool, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the amazing ministry of Kingdom Kids. This month is their 20th anniversary. Can you believe it? No, 20 years. That is such an incredible legacy that's that's already being established. Yep. And in those 20 years, I don't know if you guys knew this, but it has served over 4,000 kiddos in that time. And this year... Um, there's over 200 students enrolled. That is incredible. What a gift. And, you know, this is a way that we get to serve our community and restore our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ by bringing in these kids and getting to teach them and love on them and share the gospel, uh, the good news. And if you want to learn more about their 20th anniversary, you can go to the cccrochester.org website. Click on the events tab, and right there is um, a whole bunch of photos and videos and just a great way to really look back on the amazing legacy that Kingdom Kids has had in our community. Yeah, and in addition, we also have a scholarship fund that we are um, looking to uh, fund for this year. And what is that goal, Amy? The goal is $15,000, and that really helps families that wouldn't otherwise be able to send their kids to Kingdom Kids. Yeah, so we want you to be a part of that. So jump on there, and we would encourage you to give to that so that we can reach families in our community um, and give them a quality Christian uh, preschool education. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for joining in, and now it is time for worship. Let's worship together. Hey, everyone. We are so glad that you are here, and we are so excited to see what the Lord's going to do in this place tonight. Please stand as we worship. Last he has read 
thankful for that truth today that we can put our identity into who God says we are not who not what this earth says that we are not even what our job is but who God says we are and we are children of God and we are all loved by God amen, amen. all right we're gonna do a newer song today and before we go into that I just want to read from Psalms 34, verses one through three. I will praise the Lord at all times, and I will constantly speak of his praise. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. And I just love that reminder, and it actually makes me think of something that, that Daryl said last week, that so we don't, we don't know what the outcome of, you know, the season that we're in, and even if it's not normal, um, there's still better days to come because of the hope that we have in the name of Jesus Christ. There are still better days to come because of what he did on the cross. So we're gonna, we're gonna learn a new song today. And at the end of that passage, it actually says, come let us tell the Lord's greatness and let us exalt his name together. So let's magnify the name of Jesus Christ today as we continue to worship. All right, I'm gonna teach the chorus to you guys before we go in. creation suddenly articulate 
say thank you to our worship team for leading us in worship today. And those of you guys who are here in the room, you're also our live studio audience for um, our online church as well. So would you mind, like, just would you greet our online church too? Let them know you're glad they're part of this deal. Thanks, Jason. So if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm really glad to be with you today. You know, it was, um, last weekend was Easter, and so weekend after Easter, the, you know, I see you guys and know that those of you who are watching, the thing that kind of runs through my mind is like, hey, you came back. You know, just, um, we always wonder at Easter, like, are they coming back next weekend? So woo, you're here, way to go, thank you. Um, it's a real privilege to, to be able to worship with you guys. So we're in this series, we started last weekend, that uh, you know, the resurrection of Jesus guarantees the promises that God has made to us. And so, so we're in this series we've called, What If He Does? And this is a question that I, this is a regular question for me. What if he does? Because it's my natural bent, most of our natural bent, to, to hear promises that God has made because he doesn't make little promises to us. He actually makes big promises to us. So we hear these promises that it seems so big and, and our natural question is like, well, what if he doesn't do that? You know, what if, he, what if he doesn't come through for me? And so when we are asking that question, we begin to put you know, our own safety nets in place and we live with hesitation and, and we, kinda, we tend to do things our own way. And so I think the better way to live based on the resurrection of Jesus is, well, what if he does? Like, what could my life look like if God actually comes through on the promises that he has made to me? And so today I'm really excited to talk with you about a promise that Jesus made it's recorded in John chapter 14. We're gonna look at it in a few minutes, but kind of let me, let me help us get to where we're gonna go. So we had a great time of worship. Now, a little morbid. Um, death has been on the front page of our lives more than any other time I remember. We've done such a good job over years and years of of really kind of keeping death behind closed doors. It happened in hospitals and nursing homes, and if it happened at home, it happened in a room separate from other people. And, and so we had, we had really crafted a world, we as a 21st century American people had crafted this world where, where we kept death away. And this last year and a little bit, 
man, we have, we have been talking about death and we have, we've, been, we've been hearing more and more about it than, than any time I can remember. And so this subject of death has been in front of us and it's been in front of our kids. And the Bible tells us that, that the enemy of our souls, so what Satan does is he takes this natural fear of death that you and I have because we've never experienced it before. Um, he takes that natural fear of death that we have and he, he piles on and he actually uses that fear to, to imprison us and to hold us captive. And since, since death is in our line of sight like never before, since our kids are hearing about stuff that, that we've been able to filter, Till this last year for them, we've been able to kind of control the conversations. And since our greatest enemy piles on to all of that and holds us captive with fear of death, I wanna talk about the subject of death and dying today. And I wanna do that through the lens of a promise that Jesus made to his first followers. It's recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. So Jesus is in this intimate, long conversation with his disciples and he's just told them, he's told them, um, one of you guys is gonna betray me. He, he looked at Peter and said, you're gonna deny me. And then he told all of them, I'm getting ready to go somewhere that you can't go. So, so they are, naturally concerned, troubled, and so Jesus speaks into that. In John 14, starting in verse one, we read, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So Jesus makes this amazing promise to his followers that this is really a twofold promise. The first is, I'm going somewhere that you can't go, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so, so he tells them first, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then second, the promise is, if, if I go do that, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna take you to be with me for the purpose of you being where I am, us being together in this place that, that I have made for you. So, so this twofold promise, I'm gonna prepare a place and I'm gonna come get you and take you to be with me, is I believe it's speaking to two things and not just me, this Bible teachers and scholars agree on these things. So there's two ways for a believer in Jesus to enter eternity. The first one is the only one that you and I have like we, any experience with, and that is through physical death. And so, so we enter eternity through physical death. The second way is through a future event that is called, theologians have called it the rapture. And it's, it's talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter four. And I think when Jesus makes this statement, I'm gonna come back and take you to be with me so that you can be where I am, 
I think he's referencing both of those things. So what I wanna do today is I wanna talk with you about what happens when a believer enters into physical death. And for those of you who are wondering about this rapture thing, um, Larry Schmidt is teaching a class uh, starts next week, but he's gonna be specifically addressing the rapture on the first weekend of May. There's more information about that on our website, and um, Larry's a great Bible teacher, and he's a good man. And so I think if, you, if you're interested in this or if you just jumped into that class, uh, it, would do your, it would do your heart and your spiritual life a lot of good. So he's gonna be talking about the rapture, but today I wanna talk with you about what happens when a believer enters into, into death. And so I wanna start by talking about what death is. Okay, so this is, um, this, this is a little daunting for me because like, I know that 30 to 40% of you who are listening to me work in the medical field. So my scientific credentials, um, I got an A in freshman biology, like college freshman biology, on my way to an English degree. So like, there you have it. Um, so I wanna talk about like the Bible's perspective on, on death, because if we're talking about biological or clinical death, I'm, I'm not your guy, but the Bible talks about some things that, that we can't see, some things that are happening when a believer enters into physical death. And so from the Bible's point of view, um, death is separation. That's, that's really what death is. I, I think, just kind of let me wander a little bit into my freshman bio A. Um, from a scientific point of view, death is kind of a termination or it's an end. But from, from the Bible's standpoint, death is separation. And what happens, the immaterial part of a person separates from their material part. Okay, so whatever labels you wanna put on your immaterial part, the Bible uses words like heart, soul, mind, spirit, there are different words there that, that's, that's an integral part of who you are. It's, and that separates from your physical body. So at, at the moment of, so when death happens, the immaterial part of a person separates from their material part. The other thing that happens is the deceased person separates from the people and things of earth. So, so I've said this and I've heard it said. It's like we, we say that somebody left us. When you have a loved one who's died, we might say that about them, that they've left us. They leave behind the people and the things of earth. And then as those things happen spiritually, the body, the material body, then surrenders to the consequences of sin. The Bible teaches us that... Um, by sin, death entered our world. So God didn't create us to die, he created us to live, and when Adam sinned, Adam and Eve, Adam gets credit for it in the Bible, when Adam sinned, death came into our world, and because of that, death passes on to all people, because we've all sinned, and so the body surrenders then to the natural consequences of sin. Um, so when I was a junior in high school, we moved schools. Um, I did. My brother and I moved to a different school, and we started football practice a couple weeks before school started. 
And my high school coach had this thing that he said, and I didn't know what he meant. Um, they thought it was kind of weird, but it was a new school and a new coach, and so entering into a new culture. When we were moving from one drill to the next, he would always, like he'd blow his whistle and yell at us, quick like you live. Quick like you live, man, quick like you live. And I heard that, like, I can still hear Coach Merrill in my head saying, quick like you live. And I didn't know what he was talking about until he sat us down one day and he just, he said, hey, listen, I wanna tell you guys something. You're, you know, you're 17, you're 18 years old, you're full of youth and you're full of life. And he said, um, your life is like a vapor. He was quoting the Psalms, the psalmist. He says, your life is, your life is like a vapor. You, you, you blow you know, warm air on a mirror and it, you can see that breath for just a minute and then it's gone. He said, it's, it's so fast, your life is like a vapor. And we were you know, on a grass field and he's again quoting the psalmist. He said, it's like the grass of the field. It's, it's here today, but it's, it's gonna be gone tomorrow. And that was, that was true. It's like you know, the, the grass dies and withers and it's just, it's gone. So he was, he was just teaching us even at that young age, man, life is short, death comes to all people. And I don't know, how many of you guys listen to country music? If you guys, at home, you raise your hand too, because you ought to admit this. You, you guys know the theologian, Kenny Chesney? Um, yeah. We're all theologians. He, so his, um, Kenny Chesney sings this song, titles Don't Blink. It's one of those feel-good stories that's, you know, like the news found this person who's turning 102 years old and they asked the guy, what's the secret to life? And he said, don't blink. So it's, a, it's a here today, gone tomorrow world that we're living in. And, and so this, this physical death, I mean, it, we, all have, we all have an appointment with it. Um, guy was talking to his doctor and she told him, she said, sir, I've got, got some bad news for you, you have a short time to live. And he was surprised by that and he said, how long do I have? And she said, 10, and he interrupted her and he's like, 10 what, 10 months, 10 weeks? And she looked at her watch and said, nine, eight, seven. <laughs> That's awful, isn't it? Like, you guys have a little bit of life to you. The tomorrow, Sunday crowd, like that's just gonna fall flat, I already know. <laughs> but we have, we have this, um, we have this idea, especially when we're young, that it's, gonna just, it's just gonna keep going. As we get a little older, we see it coming, but the truth of the matter is, um, we all have an appointment with death, and, and it takes most of us by surprise. Now, here's, here's a really encouraging thing. In Psalm 139, verse 16, the Bible teaches this truth that all, the psalmist says this, he says, all of my days were, were written in your book. He's speaking to the Lord. All of my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. And, and so while you and I talk about death and dying, the brevity of life, the fact that it's coming for all of us, the truth of the matter is all of our days were written in God's book before any of them came to be. So, so even if death catches you by surprise, whether it's yours or somebody that you love, even if that death catches you by surprise, it didn't take God by surprise. He, he knows, He's, he sits over these things, and so all of our days were written for us before any of them came to be. And I think we've gotta let, like we've gotta let Jesus speak into and over some of this stuff connected to fear and, or to death and dying because we have fear about it. 
And I'm not being critical of fear. Right? Like most of us are afraid of something we've never done before. You know, so, so when, you're, when you think about your death, it causes a little bit of churning on the inside. But if we, unless we let Jesus speak into and over this, what we, what we find is we find Satan grabbing that natural fear and piling on and turning it into, like he, he will use that fear to imprison us and keep us from living the life that Jesus has for us to live. So, so I wanna go back to this idea of death being separation. So we're still there mentally. We all know what death separates us from. So I want us to think for a couple minutes about what death separates us to. Because again, we see it from this side, earth side, and it feels like a leaving. But death doesn't just separate us from things, it also separates us to something. And what death separates a person to hinges entirely on their relationship with Jesus. So the Bible is really clear about this, that people who, who enter into death with no relationship with Jesus, apart from Jesus, haven't, they have not trusted him, they have not like, admitted that they have not received forgiveness from him, from his death on the cross, they've not received the life that he offers through his resurrection from the dead, they're, they're apart from him. People who enter into eternity apart from Jesus, the Bible says, enter eternity, they're separated too. Death set, separates them to a place that the Bible calls, a couple places calls it Hades or calls it hell, and the characteristic of that is, is suffering and fire. Now, when Jesus is speaking the words that he's, the promise that we're looking at today, he's talking to people who believed in him, so his first audience, what he, when he says that, hey, death separates, what death separates a believer in Jesus to is Jesus himself, right? Because he says that, he says, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And, and so Jesus is, he's looking at his followers, the first group of followers, and he's, he's told them several times, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're gonna hang me on, like they're gonna, they're gonna crucify me, they're gonna put me to death, and I'm gonna die on the third day, I'm gonna rise again. So he, they, they have that information in their head, and he's told them, I'm going somewhere that you can't go, and, and now he's telling them, hey, I'm gonna come back and take you to be with me where I am. So he's, they have this idea that he's talking about death with them and entering into death, and, and I love this idea that Jesus says, when it's your time, when it's your time, I'm gonna be there to take you to be with me. Now, I, I don't know, some, if you were like me, I grew up in church, and I was taught growing up that when somebody enters into death, angels come and take them to heaven, and some some guys that are way smarter than me and I have a lot of respect for teach that. It's based on um, Luke 16 when Jesus is talking about the rich man and Lazarus are the two names that are connected to that and when Lazarus dies, the angels carry him to paradise. So I think that was a reference to the way things were before Jesus's death and resurrection. I think what Jesus is telling his followers here in John 14 is about what his, his people are going to experience 
after his death and resurrection that he's going to prepare a place for them and when it is their time, he's gonna come back and get them and take them to be with him. And so for me, there's this amazing moment where Jesus says, like, it's not when it's your turn to enter into eternity, I'm gonna be there to take you to this place that I have prepared for you. So I was thinking through this illustration. Um, those of us who are parents, or if you've ever been the grown-up for a kid, if you're the grown-up for a kid, you know you take them places and then you have to go pick them up. So sometimes when you go pick them up, you wait in the parking lot for them to come out to you. Um, sometimes when you go pick them up, you send a sibling or you know, a friend or somebody who's in the car with you, you send them to go get your kid and bring them out to you. And sometimes you go and get them to take them home. And this promise for me that Jesus has made, when it is your time, when it is my time, to enter into death, to experience none of us, it's something none of us have ever experienced before. When it's, when it's as a believer in Jesus, when it's my time for my immaterial self to separate from my physical body, to enter into a reality that I don't know, to, to leave behind people that I love and the only experiences I've ever had. When, when, all, when it's time for all of those things to happen, what Jesus is looking at his people and saying, hey, I'm not gonna make you take that journey by yourself. I'm not gonna be waiting in the parking lot and you have, to, you have to find your way to the car in the park so I can take you. I'm not sending somebody else to come get you. I'll be there when it's your time. And there's just some, some amazing things that the Bible speaks to, this idea of, of Christian people and this moment of death. And I, I wanna share some of them with you. The first one, these, these things are really helpful and encouraging to me. I hope they're meaningful to you as well. So Psalm 116, verse 15. Psalm says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. So the, the death of a believer in Jesus is a holy moment. It's a holy moment. It's, regardless of the circumstances, it is, it is a tender, from God's perspective, no matter what's going on on earth, from God's perspective, it is a, it's a tender, precious, holy moment. In God's eyes, the death of one of his faithful servants is, it is a precious thing. So, so just know that. Death is a holy moment. Second thing, second verse, it's, I think is incredible here. Psalm 48, verse 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. And I like this picture of God being a guide. A guide, if you've, if you've ever been guided in anything, a guide doesn't say, hey, y'all go over there. Guide doesn't, doesn't go hide somewhere and say, you know, hey, come to me. A guide goes with you. From, from start to finish, the guide is with you and and this, this God is our guide even to the end, 
to, to the end of to the end of our life, to the entryway into, and really to the end of eternity. This God, he's, he's our guide even to the end. And that really picks up on the imagery from Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm, towards the end of that verse four. The psalmist is just, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That looking at the shepherd saying, I'm entering into this darkest valley and you're staying with me in this. So here's, here's how all this comes together in my mind. So the Bible teaches us that when, when you put your trust in Jesus as your savior, when I do that, he, is, he comes to be not just with us, but in us, in the person of his Holy Spirit. So, so God the Holy Spirit is with us, and scripture calls him our comforter, our guide. He, he's, he is God with us and God in us. And so he's a spiritual presence in our lives. You can't see him, but we are... We certainly can feel him and we know that he is with us and, and that's, I really can't explain it any better than that. Those of you who experience this because he lives inside of you, you, just, you know what I'm talking about. So God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, lives inside of me and he is, he is with me always. And when it is my time to enter into physical death, I really see God the Holy Spirit opening death's door, and there on the other side of death's door is Jesus with his hands out ready to, ready to receive me. He has, he has come back to take me to be in the place that he has prepared for me so that I could be with him. And so this, at this moment of death, there's the spirit of God who lives in me, walks with me, opens the door for me, and like, I just see a handoff. <laughs> he hands me off to the presence of, of my Savior, and it's this beautiful thing. What, like At that moment, what a person, a Christian person who is dying is experiencing, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4. What is mortal is being swallowed up by life. That is exactly the opposite of what you would expect when a person is entering into physical death. You would, you would expect the idea of being swallowed up by death, but that's not the case for a follower of Jesus. For a follower of Jesus, what is mortal? This physical body, the things of this earth, the stuff that you and I, like the only experience that you and I have had to this point, what is mortal is actually when we enter into physical death, it's not swallowed up by death. What is mortal is swallowed up by life. And so this, it's this incredible, it, it's this moment of, of finish line, of completion, of it's this moment of, it sounds so scary, and so I don't know exactly what I'm thinking about all of that. It's, it's the moment of face-to-face of -face with Jesus. Because he told us that if he goes away to prepare a place for us, since he's doing that, he will come back and get us and take us 
to that place so that, so that you and I could be with him forever. So I'm looking at this amazing promise and what swirls around us as it connects to death and what in our culture, the unknown beyond death, the many, many ideas that are out there, the, the fears that you and I naturally feel. And so here's, so here's our question for this whole series, what if he does? So what if, what, is, like, what does that mean for you and for me? What if Jesus actually comes and gets us and takes us to be in this place he's prepared for us so that we get to be with him? I've got, um, I've got four things for us here. The first is that no believer dies alone. No believer dies alone. That's a, that's a big thing this last year, right? We've, um, we've heard a lot about that, we've worried a lot about that. Um, that's been held out in front of us in a lot of different ways, but the truth of the matter is, if, if family members, loved ones, friends can't get there, believers in Jesus don't die alone. He's with them. He's, he, he has come to get them and to take them to, to be with him. And so there's, so the people that we love, even if we weren't there, they did not die alone. He was, he was there and he was with them and I found tremendous comfort in that. The second thing, there's no purgatory. There's no purgatory and, and if you're raised Catholic or you have Catholic friends or family members, um, we have Catholic friends, I disagree with, this is, they're not bad people, this is just, like, this is just, it's just not in the Bible. There's no purgatory in the Bible. The teachings of purgatory come from some of the apocryphal books that are in the Catholic Bible that aren't in the Protestant Bible, and there's a couple of references that some of their stuff makes to actually some, um, some passages of our scriptures where Jesus is talking about forgiveness, and he's talking about things that happen in this life, not in the next life. If Jesus really comes to get his children, at the moment of death, that Jesus really comes to get you, if he does what he said he would do, there's no purgatory, there's no, there's no place, there's no holding place that you go for something else to happen to wait for him to come get you. When you enter into physical death, he's, he's there. And you are united with him and he takes you to be with your believing friends, family, loved ones forever. And so this, this idea of purgatory, there's. It's not there, Jesus is, takes us to be with him. Um, the third thing, death is not our greatest concern. Death is not our greatest concern. And remember Satan takes our natural fear of death and uses it to hold us prisoner to keep us from experiencing the life that God has for us to live. Now this is, this is not a commentary on masks and social distancing or anything like this. This is a commentary on on obedience and following after Jesus wherever he calls you to go. Because Jesus is looking that first group of guys that he is talking to when he makes this statement. Um, the one who betrayed him left of the 11 that were remained faithful, 10 of those 11 guys followed Jesus into martyrdom. And one of them followed him into prison and torture and but in the Apostle Paul, who had rounded out the 12, he was always, he was in jail, he was under threat of death. 
But the, the first concern of those group, that group of guys who heard this promise for the first time, it wasn't like, well, I could die there. Their, their concern, their first concern was faithfulness and following Jesus and walking in obedience to what he had called and commanded them to do. And, and we live in a culture whose first and greatest concern is staying alive. And, and for Christian people, that's not our first and greatest concern. Our first and greatest concern is faithfulness to Jesus and walking in obedience to him. Death is not our greatest concern. And then the fourth thing, what if Jesus does? I mean, it's just life. It's, it's life. Death is swallowed, what is mortal is swallowed up by life. And not, not the kind of life that you and I know today, but immortality. Life that is eternal in its duration, in its depth, in its fuller expression of all those things. All the stuff that Jesus promises to us when we meet him in that moment of death, that stuff just multiplies exponentially. We, it's victory, it's the life that he has promised and designed for us to live. You and I get to walk in life. So thinking about these things and about Jesus coming, there's a, um, there's a, there's a story of a guy named Stephen. He's in Acts chapter, it's in Acts chapter seven. He's the first, in the New Testament, it's the first story of martyrdom. So Stephen is being stoned because of his faith in Jesus and his preaching about Jesus. And so like they are, they are stoning him, and in verse 55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And what's, what's interesting about that description there is when the scripture talks about Jesus being at the right hand of God, it talks about him being seated at the right hand of God. But in this moment, moments before Stephen is martyred for his faith, Jesus has stood up. And I just gotta wonder, he's standing because he's, he's getting ready to come. And to meet Stephen in that moment of physical death separation to take him to the place that he had prepared for him. Billy Graham, he wrote this about his grandmother. He says, when my maternal grandmother died, the room seemed to fill with heavenly light. She sat up in bed and almost laughingly said, I see Jesus. He has his arms outstretched toward me. I see Ben, it's her husband who had preceded her in death. And I see angels. Then she slumped over, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Not every believer has that public of experience. But believers in Jesus all get that experience. Because he's faithful to his promises. He does what he says he will do. And when it's my time, when it's your time, he will come to us, and take us 
the place he's prepared for us so that we can be face to face with him, united with friends, family members forever. What a great thing that he's promised us. So would you guys let me pray for you, pray for us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes together. So while you're there with your head bowed and just, I, I gotta talk about one thing. This, what you're separated to all hinges on your relationship with Jesus. So I don't know where you are with that. I just wanted to give you this moment to think about that. Because there are amazing things for people who have put their trust in Jesus. He died on the cross to give you forgiveness. He rose again from the dead to give you life. And I don't know what your plan is to be forgiven or to to get to heaven or eternal or whatever you, however you'd couch all that. But those who believe in Jesus are separated to life that is really life. And so I just wanted to offer you a moment to whisper a prayer from your heart to, to his. Just tell him, I wanna be in a relationship with you. I'm trusting you. I want you to fulfill this promise you've made to me. I'm asking for that. So Lord Jesus, we are, we are here today as your people, really grateful that, um, that, you, that you love us and that you watch over us from beginning to end. That nothing, nothing we walk into or walk through, never do you lose sight of us, never do we escape your attention Never does your spirit leave us. We have this unique privilege of belonging to you to the very end. So I'm praying for my friends, I pray for myself in this land of, there's just so much, there's death around us and we hear about it and think, help us think rightly about these things. Deliver us from the fear of death that, that Satan would pile on and imprison us with. Deliver us from that. Let us walk in, in joy and blessing and hope and the life that you have called us to. So give us freedom, please. Give us courage. Let us, let us make a mark with this one and only life you've given us to live here for these few days. Jesus, we love you and uh, we're really grateful to you. So I'm praying these things in your name. Amen. Great to be with you guys today. Thanks for, um, thanks for being part of our worship service. I hope this time is a blessing and encouragement to you. Um, you guys who are part of the in-person church, you know the drill. The ushers are gonna, they're gonna come dismiss you in just a second. You can stand up, you can sit down. But as you walk out of here today, know that you are, you're walking in freedom and you are walking in victory and you are walking into the life that Jesus has for you. So God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.